0: Okay, okay, there we go. Awesome. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you all. Welcome to church today. You know, we have so many testimonies of last Sunday. We had a beautiful move of God. We prayed for people with arthritis in their body. I have gotten a three or four ladies that came back to me that said by the time they left church last Sunday, they were completely well. They have movement and motion in their body. So thank you, Jesus. And then we had a lady who a friend of mine sent a link to her um, to watch last week's service. And so she was listening out on her patio and had it on, wasn't watching, just listening. And she said, um, during the praise and worship and the time of ministry when that took over, the presence of God hit her so hard on her patio that she began weeping in the presence of God. And she felt the anointing of God. So I was so blessed by that, knowing that the presence of God isn't just staying in this room. That it is really going through technology. And God is really touching people. And that so blessed me. And obviously I want everybody in the room. But for those who are far away and can't be here, it's a wonderful opportunity for them. Amen. Another uh, testimony that we had. I have a uh, network, a TV network that reached out to me. I happen to know the owner of the network. I didn't know. He had started a Christian TV network. And he reached out to me and said he wants to put faith builders on the TV network. Woo! and he loves the move of the holy spirit he loves the prophetic and that's something that he wants to put on his network and what's even better is he is giving to us for free so tell me god is not so good in what he's doing in this season so Just be excited, faith builders, for what God is doing in this house. Amen. There are suddenlies coming that's just going to shake the ground of North Phoenix, Arizona for Jesus. And I am so excited about that. Amen. Let me go ahead and pray and then we're going to receive the word of God today. Father, I thank you today for this precious moment that we have in your worship, God, because it's really all about you, Jesus in your worship and in our surrender to you, Father God. And I ask, Lord, as the word of God goes forth, let it be seeds in their hearts. Let it give revelation. Let it get encouragement, God. Let it provoke us in only the way that your word is equipped to do. And we thank you in advance for what you're already doing and will continue to do through the remainder of this service. And we're careful to give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Well, I am on part two of a new series, and uh, we started it last week, so if you were not here last Sunday, I highly, highly encourage you, jump online, take, I think it's 40 minutes long, and allow the word of God to challenge us, because God has really called me as the pastor of Faith Builders Church, is to bring us as believers to another level of maturity. How many know we can have another level of really going up in Christ? You know, we can get so deep in the deep things of God, which are wonderful, but we forget the basics of our relationship with Jesus Christ, bringing us back to the fundamentals, bringing us back to our first love and that intimacy with God. And so last week I brought a challenging message, and this one I call it a heart check message because I believe God wants to check our hearts. You know, we can be walking with the Lord for so many years that we We really don't allow the Holy Spirit permission to check our hearts, to test our hearts. Because the Bible says it's deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Only the Holy Spirit can go into those places of our heart that we need him to expose so that we can walk in the fullness of Jesus. And so this series that I'm talking about is... Um, It's called what do you believe that is to really challenge us do I have some things that the Holy Spirit needs to unearth are there things that I need to get a grip that maybe I'm really struggling in my faith and in my belief system and I keep putting it on the back burner because after all I love Jesus. Well, we all love Jesus, don't we? But we can have hidden issues of the heart. And God wants us to get those stuff out and become mature Christians, mature believers in our faith, rooted in our faith. Not just the deep things of God, which is wonderful, but I'm talking about knowing who you are and knowing what the word says about you and our faith in Jesus. Amen. So last week I showed a graphic. I don't know if they have it. They can put it up if they do. It's the red one. But it was so astounding to me, astonishing to me that um, the percentage of Christian pastors that possess a biblical worldview, that means that they believe Jesus is the son of God, that we must confess our sins and become born again, that we can cast out demons, like the basic of the word of God, that all Christian pastors, only 37% believe the full word of God is true. The thing that's more astonishing, if you go down teaching pastors, Pastors that are preaching the word of God, or should be, only 13% are standing on the full word of God. We have a problem in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. When preachers get behind the pulpits and they can't be bold and courageous and share the living word of God. And it may cut us a little bit. Amen. The word of God says it's a sword. So sometimes the word goes in it's like, that hurt Pastor Barb. I didn't like that. Don't say that to me. Well, what I say is when the word of God offends you, that's what you should pay attention to. Because it's that thing you're hanging on and fighting for to be your truth. Well, that offended me. Well, good. Let it offend you and let it cut that offense out so the truth can go in and set you free. Somebody say amen. So we're going to grow up in Jesus. Amen. So last week I talked about those that believe in God but do not know him personally was talking about allowing the culture coming into the church the culture does not change the church but it has the church should change the culture we should be making a difference in what society says that we should be as christ followers amen so today i'm going to be talking about that you they believe in god but we don't fear him we're going to talk about the fear of god and not in like God's got his gavel and he, gavel, I think it's called, and He's trying to bop you on the head and, and being all sin-conscious, but there is a reverence fear that needs to come back to the Christ' followers. We need to have a reverence for God's presence, for His voice, when He speaks to us, when He gives us direction and, and things that He wants us to stop doing and doing in our life. Listen, no preacher should have to tell you how to live for Jesus. You've got the word of God and the Holy Spirit that should be convicting you and directing you. But what has happened is we've had lukewarm pastors declaring the word of God. And so now we've got a lukewarm church that has a hard time receiving the truth of God's word. And we need to get our armor on, amen, and say, give me the truth no matter what it costs. Because we need to have the truth because it is the truth that really sets us free from the bondages of the world. So we, what I'm going to talk about today is customized Christianity. We customize Christianity to fit what we like about the word of God. What, well, we'll take this part, but I'm going to leave that part out. We've customized to privilege, well, I'll take this part of God, but I'm going to reject the rest. And we do that because we don't really fear God that his word is true. And it's powerful, and it can change us. But it's also going to require us to change. Somebody say, "Amen," "Amen." amen. You know, when back in the oldie days—I don't know—I want to say I'll say uh, early '40s, maybe there was only three ice cream flavors in the world. Three. It made it easy for us. There was vanilla, there was chocolate, and there was— come on, everybody, strawberry. Right? There was three kinds. We didn't have a lot of options. And then in 1945, I think it was, um, was it Dairy Queen? I think it was Dairy Queen. Uh, I think it was Dairy Queen, right? No, Baskin Robbins came on the scene. And how many flavors did they bring up? 31 different flavors. You can have it any way you want it now. You can mix. You can do as many toppings as you want. Now the one decision that should have been so easy, I can do it any way that I want. How about Starbucks, somebody? God forbid you just go get a black cup of coffee. And I want it in a small, please. I don't want it tall. I want a medium. I want a small. I want a large. But no, I can get my favorite coffee, just so you know, if you want to take your notepads out. (laughs) It's dirty hot dirty soy chai tea latte with two shots three shots of espresso depending on the day it may be two it may be three but you can get it with almond milk you can get it light you can get it with flavors there's so many different ways that you can get what you want you can customize what you want to your liking i also read a statistic that says sonic has how many was it 3.5 million variations on their drinks i don't believe that but that's what they say So many varieties. And so what happens is we become accustomed as Christ followers to customize the Word of God to take, well, I like, this tastes good, this feels good to me, but I don't like that part. I'm going to reject it after all, right? And this is the problem that we have in the church today is God created us in his image. But we as the church is trying to create God in ours. We want to make God... Think what we think, how we feel, and the way we should be able to live our lives instead of living ourselves in the image of Christ Jesus and being Christ's followers and letting him deal with the garbage and the compromise in our life that he desperately is trying to get to in the kingdom of God. So what do we say? And this is so common. I want his love. How many want the love of God? Oh, I'm so thankful for the love of God. But don't give me correction. Don't correct me, Pastor Barb. Don't challenge me with my morality. Don't tell me how I should live or who I should live it with. No, I don't want to be the one to do that, but I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. He'll come in that gentle voice, in that still small voice, and he'll begin to say, hey, that needs to go. That's got to change that behavior. It's that gentleness of the Holy Spirit. Give me all your love, God, but don't correct me. Don't make me change. Don't make me get people out of my life. Don't make me do things that I don't want to do right now. Many of us want his grace and mercy. Some of say amen. Grace and mercy follows me all the days of my life. That's what Proverbs says and I receive it. But don't give me your discipline. Don't discipline me, God. Don't trouble my heart for the things that trouble you. Don't convict me of my sin, God. Give me your grace and your mercy. And that's all wonderful, but we need both, don't we? We want his blessings. How many, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I've got all those prosperity scriptures and all those things, but I don't want to take up my cross and follow Jesus. I don't want to be willing to pay the price of my relationship with God and pick up that cross and live bold for Jesus and not be afraid to declare my, my relationship with Jesus Christ and my faith and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Just bless me, God, but I'm going to live in my little four walls of comfort and never do anything for anybody. When God, Jesus' last assignment was going to all the world and preach the good news of the gospel of salvation, amen? There's parts of the Bible that we really love and we want to we wanna embrace in our life, and there's other parts that I don't want to apply to my life. That's all of us, isn't it? What's Burger King's slogan? Have it your way. Well, that's not what the word of God says. He wants you to have it his way because he sees when you allow the word to work in you, the benefits and the payoff is so far greater than being that living sacrifice and dying to yourself and committing to Christ and committing to the church and committing to your tithes and offerings and and sharing the gospel. That sacrifice payoff is so far greater than the moment of living in our temporary flesh and gratification. I love that God has a plan for my life and that he wants to bless me and prosper me. I love that, but I don't want to live in sexual purity. I don't want to keep my eye gate pure from pornography and inappropriate movies. I want all your love, Jesus, and you have a plan for my life, but I don't want you to heart check me. God works all things together for good in my life. How many can shout on that? Thank you, God, you work it out, but... God wants me to be generous and give, but you can't have my money, God. Can't touch that. I worked hard for it. That's mine. But God says, you're blessed to be a blessing. Give, and it will be given back to you. Amen. The windows of heaven open up, and this isn't a a giving teaching, but we want the good things of the word, but don't do the things that hurt my flesh, because I don't want to give up those things. I'm blessed coming in, as I said. I'm blessed going out, but the weekends belong to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something better comes along, we're going to show up and go over there. Amen? No, when you're committed to this relationship with Jesus, I am all in. We believe in God, but we don't fear him. A reverent fear of God. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So let's look at 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. It says this, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now, I want to stop right there because we hear the last days. You're like, oh, my gosh, don't talk about the last days. I don't even want to think about the last days. But if you study out this scripture and when they think the last days actually began was either at the birthing of the church, the last days began or in the um, days of the Messiah when Jesus showed up on the scene. So the last days have been happening all this time, you guys. So take that out of your mind, like, oh, my God, I don't want to believe we're in the last days. Well, we are, and we are until Jesus comes again. And whenever that last chapter is, I don't know, but we are in them, and we're actually seeing more proof of behavior than this. People will be lovers of themselves. It's all about me, what I can get, how I can feel. Make me feel good, Pastor Barb. Let me shout in praise, but don't get in my business. Don't ask me to serve on Sunday. Don't tell me to give. Lovers of myself, lovers of money, boastful, proud. Just look on social media. You'll see a whole plethora of this in action. Don't accuse anybody because we all do it. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Without love. Have you ever seen a more toxic time that we're living in the world today? Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Get on Twitter for five minutes. You'll wish you weren't a Christian so you could just say whatever you wanted. And I'm not allowed to do that. They'll be brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Do you see how deceptive this can be in the kingdom that I have a form of godliness? I come to church, I worship God. I may even read my Bible, but I don't allow God to get in my junk and in my business so that I can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I believe that the underlying reason for the increasing corruption in society today, and it's only going to get worse, is because there's no fear of God. And that begins in the church and obviously in the world. Listen, the world is actually looking for truth. They're looking. They're, they're saying, tell me I need hope. Tell me I need a Savior. It's the church that has become so religious and, and in so much comfort zone and lukewarmness that we can't even receive truth without getting offended. We have to get back to this righteous fear of God, this reverence fear of the Holy Spirit. And in this Psalms that I'm going to read to you, it was David writing about the sinfulness of mankind. And eventually, David learned to turn this on himself because David had a lot of issues in his life. But in Psalms 36, it says this this translation is so powerful. It says, Sin whispers to the wicked, it whispers. It's just like the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's that still, small voice. Sin will whisper to you and tell it's okay, you can do that. It's okay, you can go there. Go ahead. Everybody's doing it anyway. It's your body. You can do what you want with it. It's not a big deal. I'm not as bad as most, so this little bit really doesn't matter. Or you can believe in God, but don't go overboard with it, right? There's these whispers that tells us, I'm okay just where I'm at. And that's the sin, the destruction that knocks on the door of our heart. The Holy Spirit's trying to get in and trouble our hearts and convict us and to lead us into the way of truth and righteousness and freedom and joy. And that little voice of the enemy says, ah, you're fine. You don't have to change. You can be this way. You love God. Now, I'm not saying I have to change your mind. I'm just saying, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to come in? Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God to restrain them. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Talk about a deception of the enemy in the world today. They have no fear of God. What does the fear of God do? It restrains me. I remember when I got born again at 17, I you know, I raised in a Christian family, but I gave my life to Jesus at 17, and I counted the cost. I knew I have to stop going to these places. I have to stop hanging out with these friends, and more than the stops, it's what I knew I needed to know Jesus. I needed to come to church. I needed to have Christian fellowship connections. I needed to be in the Word of God. I needed to serve. I learned this relationship with Jesus, and because of that, I had this fear of God, not like, well, if I do something wrong I'm going to hell well the Bible says if you looked upon a woman to lust at her you're already committed adultery so that's not the grace of God amen it's the grace of God that comes in and it's the fear of God that says I will not hurt God's heart on purpose I love him. I respect him. I honor who he is in my life and what he's done for me. And out of that relationship, I have a righteous, reverent fear that, God, I want to please you all the days of my life. I'm going to stumble and fall, and I'm going to make mistakes, but I know you'll be there to pick me up. And if you want me to leave something, I'll leave it. If you want to change me, change me. If you want to correct me and discipline me, you have full permission because I love and honor and respect you, God. Can you imagine when the church gets to that place? We will shake Arizona for Jesus, and one night you'll turn this city upside down. When we say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Search my heart, oh God, and make it true. Search my heart, oh God, and make it like you. Not like the world. I'm not going to be comfortable in this season. God, trouble me for the things that trouble you. Amen. Amen. So there's this relationship and there's this blindness that takes place. I've told you guys since I've been your pastor the last five years that I would be worried if I didn't have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I would be worried because where am I at that I can't sense him enough in my life that he's leading and guiding me into all truth. I want that presence of God in my life, amen. He doesn't have to show up much to correct me, but he does. Most of it's a beautiful relationship. Most of it is giving me dreams and visions and just downloading the word to me. But there are times where he'll say, beware of that. Don't open that door. Don't go down that road. I want that voice. And when he says it, I say, yes, Lord. I may not like it, and I may kick and scream sometimes. Anybody ever done that with God? I tried to arm wrestle him a few times. But he always wins. Why? Because I'm trusting in this loyal relationship i have with him that if he wants me to walk away from something i will step into all truth and trust him by faith amen that's the fear of god so what if this verse was talking to us you know i i don't believe you guys are wicked i'm not saying that but what if there's areas in our heart that we need to heart check are we hanging on to things that god says let it go Are there areas that we're fighting and we're wrestling with God? And God's like, if you just let it go, I have something so better for you than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. Our responsibility is just to obey God, isn't it? Not to obey man. Don't obey me. Good Lord, don't obey me. But certainly obey the word of God and obey the Holy Spirit. Amen. In their blindness conceit, they could not see how wicked they really are. What if we, just check your heart, have no reverent, and true fear of God to restrain us? Is there something in my heart, God, that I'm not allowing you to restrain me? What if I were blind to my own self-centeredness? Is there an area, God, that I'm blind and I can't see that you really want to take care of a situation in me? What if we've got to a place that we can't see how far away we are from God, how far away we actually are It's so easy to get comfortable in this relationship. Now, listen, I've been raised in the church for a long time, so I've been around a lot of of movements. And I want to call it like a pendulum swing. So back in the days when I was, you know, being raised in a Christian school, how many remember those Left Behind series? And that song, I wish they'd all been ready. Do you guys know what song? There's no time to change your mind. The sun is gone, and you've been left behind. <laughs> it was like horrifying. I was terrified every time I walked in the house. I'll never forget, we lived on a farm, and I walked in the um, in the house. My mom was always there. No joke, this scene was in the movie. There was water boiling on the stove, and I could not find my mother anywhere. I went into this wretched scream. I'm like, I've been left behind. The- <laughs> Devil's gonna get me, I'm gonna have to get my head chopped off on the gallon. It was like I was devastated. And my mom came from the barn, she's like, What's wrong with you? And I'm like, Oh, I thought Jesus left me behind. So, you know, there's this pendulum of you're gonna go to hell and, and you're gonna burn in fire, and you know, there's this how the church used to be. But then what happened about 15 years ago? The pendulum swung to grace. Oh, God loves you, you can do what you want, and the word of God began to be taught wrong. See, grace isn't to empower you to sin. Grace is to empower you to overcome sin. But the grace message began to take the church, by. I can do whatever I want. I'm under grace. No voice of the Holy Spirit, no conviction of God, no troubling my heart. I'll just believe whatever preacher says that I'm under grace. Hallelujah. Well, how many love that message? The entire church body of Christ loved that message and they ran with it, but God is coming back. That pendulum is coming, and he's saying, yes, this is true, and yes, this is true, but you need both of them. We don't let go of the message of hell because it is real. People need a Savior that was laid down for him, and we don't let go of grace because God knows every one of us in this room need grace, amen? But we need to have them come together. See, the justice of God is true. God does want justice, and he does condemn sin, but it's incomplete. The grace of God is true, but it's incomplete. I want you to look at John 1, 14. This is so powerful. And the word became flesh. Who was that? Jesus. The word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and grace truth jesus brought both he said you need my grace to overcome sin and there's the truth that you are a sinner and there's some stuff i need to do with you but i'm going to give you both verse 17 says for the law was given through moses the law We cannot fulfill the law. I just finished studying Galatians, and and Paul had to rebuke Peter and Barnabas because they kept trying to bring in the old religious Jewish traditions of do the works instead of grace by faith through Jesus. He says, so we can't fulfill the law. Jesus fulfilled it, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Yes, it's true I'm lost, and yes, it's true I'm broken, but boy, did his grace come to set me free. And that grace is constantly working in our life. So we don't want legalism, but grace is also not a license to sin. Right. Amen. Let me say that again. We don't want legalism because we cannot fulfill the law. It's cursed. If you try to fulfill the law, you'll be cursed. So how many don't want to be cursed? Uh-huh. Don't do the law, right? But it also doesn't give me permission to sin. Even Peter talked, Paul talks about that in scripture. I want to um, read this to you, what reverent fear of God is. I think they might have it. Reverence is profound respect and love for God. Reverent fear of God is profound respect and love. If you think of someone that you admire in your life, whether a pastor or a mentor or a school teacher, you know, and you get around them, you have so much love for them. You know, you love them because they've mentored you and they've helped you and they've walked with you through life's trials, but then you also respect them because of who they are their anointing or their voice or their calling, and there's this reverent fear, I honor you because of this relationship. That's the fear of God. It's out of this relationship. I love you. You love me first, so now I, I get to choose to love you, and now I respect who you are, God. I respect your word and what it says over my life, so my fear doesn't come from I'm going to get in trouble. My fear comes out of I love and respect you, God. You have permission in this relationship. Do as you will. Take me where you want to take me. Lead me and guide me wherever you want to take me. Amen. When you have a reverent attitude towards God, you honor him. You express your gratitude to him and you obey his commands. Those things he asks. You should be reverent in your behavior as well as your attitude towards God. So let me put it this way. Let's put up our next little point. It says loving God. Plus, respecting God equals the fear of God. Do you see the difference? It's out of relationship. I don't have to be afraid of going to hell every second because I make a mistake. I'm gonna be, we're gonna be in our sin nature till Jesus comes again or I go and die. We will never come out of this earth suit. So I have this loving relationship with God and respect for Him. So I fear Him to allow His grace and mercy to come in to challenge me. Amen. Does that make sense? We never hurt the heart of God on purpose. Let's look at this. Let's look at 1 John 4, 18. We'll take another scripture verse. I want to share this with you so you understand the relationship. There is no fear in love. Okay? Fear of God is not a fear, a tread, a terror. That word uh, fear there means that which causes you to run away, dread or terror, or that which strikes. See, the fear of God is not going to cause terror in you. It's not going to cause you to run away from him. That's not the fear I'm talking about. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear. Why? Because fear involves torment. You see the difference? My fear of God is out of love and relationship with him. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. He chose you first. Well, I chose Jesus. Actually, you just finally listen. He chose you first. I love him because he loved me first. I'm coming into this relationship with him. While I was still a sinner, he loved me. When I didn't deserve it, he loved me. When I made mistakes, he still loved me. He was fighting after me when I was that one sheep away from the 99 and I got lost. His love will fight for you. Listen, God's love isn't what he does. It's who he is. Remember that. It's not what he's, oh, God's going to decide to love me today. No, God is love. So I have this love relationship with him. Every time I come into his presence, he's going to speak good things to me. Ever since I was 17 years old, I'd pull out a notebook and I would talk to God. And the first thing to this day God always says to me is, I love you. Before he says anything else to me. And he said that since I was 17 years old. I love you. He loves you so much, and he's longing for this relationship to be reciprocal. Amen. Amen? Our only response should be this. I love you, God, but I respect and honor that you are a holy God. I love you as a heavenly father, but I respect you as a consuming fire. See all that's truth and grace? I love you, I love you as the God who is full of grace but I respect that you are a righteous judge. I love you and desire you, but I respect that your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, amen? God may ask us to do some things in this journey that we're not comfortable with. Maybe we don't want to do, but out of love and respect, I will honor what God is asking of me. Not to please man, not to get a chip in my hat, but in the stillness of this relationship, he speaks to me. I say, I will follow you, God. And even though sometimes there's tears and there's heartaches and there's struggles that go along with obeying God, I always thought when you got saved and God would ask something of you, you'd get like a, a like JC, like super Jesus on your chest and, and like a cape. You'd be like, dun, dun dun dun, Like I can obey God in everything, but obedience hurts. Because the Bible says you're a living sacrifice. That means I feel it when I'm on that altar. I'm not dead. I'm feeling it. But he's crucifying that flesh. He's crucifying those things that he's trying, unforgiveness and bitterness and shame. He's crucifying those things in us so that we can be more of him. The fear of the Lord is so awesome because in Proverbs, when you get a revelation of this, I want to read a few scriptures to you. Proverbs nine ten says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Listen, that's where wisdom starts in your life. Why would we want to run away from hearing the voice of God over our children and over our destinies and over our churches and over our finances? Wisdom begins when you say, God, I am here for you and you are here for me and I honor and respect what you are trying to lead and guide my family and my life. Amen? And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding Let's look at another one. Proverbs 14, 27 says this. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Do you see where that's not anger and judgment and always going to come down on you? No, when you fear God and you say, I'm stepping into this relationship, you will be like a fountain of life springing up in your life. That thing that may have hurt you for a minute to lay down, all of a sudden you're going to say, thank you, Jesus, I let that go. Thank you, Jesus, I got out. Thank you for saving me from that wrong business deal. Thank you that I followed you, God. I don't know what you saved me from, but I'm so thankful you saved me from it. Somebody say amen. Amen. God will do that in this relationship when we have a reverent fear of honoring Him. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Fear of God will do that. What does that mean? It takes you out of a situation that was destroying you and bringing you into the blessings of God. How many want that? I'll take that word of God. Amen. I don't want to just know God. I want to fear him. I want to come into wisdom. I want to come into blessings. I want to come into the overflow of joy in my life. I want him to save me from harmful situations. See, so many people get in a hurry. They get in a hurry in their life, and they make quick decisions. And you see those quick decisions are so destructive because they didn't take time to hear what God was really saying. I will tell you, God is never in a hurry with your destiny He is never in a hurry with life choices that are going to alter the course of your life and your family. Take time to say, God, I'm here. If you want to tell me no, tell me no. And if you want to tell me yes, I'll do a happy dance because I want yes. But I'll also take no. I'll say, I'll take wait. Be willing to say, God, whatever you want. I may not like the outcome, but I trust where you're taking me. And when you do that, you cannot miss God not only will you step into the will of God, he will bless you like crazy. He will pay for it. He will release unfound favor in your life when you are following this righteous fear of God. Amen? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Let's look at verse uh, Proverbs 22, 4. Humility is the fear of the Lord. It, its wages are riches, honor, and life. The very thing that I want, God, I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. God's like, yeah, if you'll just fear me, I'll bless you. If you'll just hear me and follow me, I will cause you to walk in the favor and the blessings of God. But it's going to come from being humble and trusting in me, having reverent fear for me. Amen. Amen. I want to look at a story here as we round the corner this morning. But one of the greatest stories is our, our man of faith, Abraham. We all know Abraham. And his greatest desire was a son. Decade after decade, God had promised a son, him a son, and there was no fulfillment of that promise. Has anybody been there before? I mean, just believing God and trusting God and believing God and never having that breakthrough and that promise happen. And so finally he gets this promised son, and you know the story, and he's living the blessings with Isaac, the promised son, and God tells him, hey, uh, Abraham, that thing you love, I want you to go kill it. I want you to go up to the mountain, and I want you to give it back to me. Because does that have you, Abraham, that promise, or do I have your heart? That's a hard heart check. I'd be like, why do I need this test, God? Like I did go to a land that you told me I didn't know of. Like I did obey you so many times. Why do I have to listen to this? And that's where that fear of God kicks in. Like I don't understand this, God. I don't understand why you're asking this of me. But God does. And so we know he went up up that mountain with his son, but he knew his God. He had love and respect. He knew this relationship. So he knew God was going to do something. He just didn't know what. And that moment that he gets to the mount, top of that mountain, and he lays his son down. He literally was at that point where he was raising the knife to kill his son. And the angel said, stop. You don't have to do that anymore. And that's what we're going to pick up in Genesis twenty-two twelve. 12. The angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said, Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. That's the hard thing. It's hard to obey God. But when you are willing, and what he didn't know is there was a ram in the bush. That very thing that you might be hanging on to this morning, God may be saying, I want you to have it, but I need you to let it go so I can know, do you fear me? Do you trust me in this season where I need you just to let go and quit trying to control things, quit trying to hold on to things that you think make you happy, let it go, and watch and see what I will do. And there was that ram in the bush, and he was shouting, thank you, God, amen? I'm telling you, there's some of you I saw in the spirit. You're hanging on to stuff. I don't want to change. I don't want to be different. I just want to do this much with God, and that's it. (laughs) We're hanging on, aren't we? And God's like, let it go. Read my word. God's challenging his church. Get back to the word of God. Get to worship. Know your faith. We have Rooted launching again in September. You should get in that class. I don't care if you've been serving Jesus 40 years. We need to get back to how to share our faith. What does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? So important, amen? Well, I've, I've been serving God a long time. Yes, yeah, so have I. And guess what? God is still heart-checking me all the time. I have a quote here. Okay, I'm going to come to it. I'll share it with you in a minute. All right. So we step into it. So Abraham, let's continue to go. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me from me, your son, your only son. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is obedience to God. Amen. Not partial obedience and not delayed obedience. (laughs) How we know we really fear God is we are quick to obey. Yes, Lord, I will do that. And I don't like this, and this is going to hurt. But John 14, 5 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not about the law. It's about reverence and respect, amen, in that relationship. Let me read you this quote from a guy named Ray Pritchard. says this, the fear of the Lord is an ongoing attitude of the heart. Isn't that true for those who've been serving God? It's an ongoing attitude of the heart that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. Good. I don't care how long we've been walking. with, God is constantly challenging my heart to obey him in many things. But I'm going to choose to trust him. Amen? Amen. All right. Where did I go? I lost all my points. My first point today was this. You'll serve him with wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly without conditions. When you have the true of God, you'll serve him wholeheartedly without any conditions. We talked about that. Number two, you'll be forever ruined by God. Forever ruined by God. And that's a good thing. Let's look at Isaiah 6:5. It says this: Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. When he got touched by God, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When you are touched by the love of God, you are ruined forever. You are changed. God got in your life, and it means I will never go back to the way I was. I will never go back to that lifestyle or that behavior because the fear of God has ruined me forever. Do many of you remember that point in your life with God where you crossed over and you're like, there's no going back? That's like a scary point. Not that I wanted to sin or anything, but it was like, wow, I'm in this thing and I will never not serve God. And that's kind of what that means to me. Like I am ruined. I am in this thing when it's hard. I'm in it when people are mean to me. I'm in it when people betray me. I'm in it when God doesn't show up. I'm in it when I feel like a failure. I'm going to be in it because the fear of God has ruined me forever. To fear the Lord is to hate all evil. Alex, you can come on up if he's in here somewhere. I want to ask you this this morning, and this is just between you and the Lord. Are there areas of our life that we're not fearing God? And are there areas in our life that we're not obeying God? I'm pretty sure all of us can say yes. But the question I have to ask you is, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Ask the Lord in this season and be serious with the Lord. Maybe when I said that today, the clenched fist, and you know exactly what it is, give that to God today. Maybe there's some areas that you need to say, God, search my heart I want to get back to that reverent, righteous fear of this relationship with you. Amen. We have to be willing to follow God at any cost because the world's going to get darker and the church is going to get brighter. It's going to get brighter. But we are going to have to know who we are and we're going to have to know the God we serve in order to stand out from a very dark world that is on the horizon. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you today for this amazing time with your word. You know, even as I, was, as I was preparing this word, it was challenging my heart. I pray it was challenging your heart today. God, if there be anything in us that we're hanging on to, if there's any place that we've not given you permission, we've been in this roller coaster like this, just riding with God. You've been just coasting with God. But God's like, I want to get in the seat. I want to get in the seat of your life. I want to come alongside of you. I want to be a voice. I want to be wisdom. I want to be guidance and direction. The thing that you're longing for, God says, I can show you where that is, but you got to let me in. you got to surrender control and let God be God. So I want everyone just to repeat this prayer after me today, wherever you're at in your journey with your faith, say, Father God, forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me for compromise. And forgive me for not having a fear of you i invite you into my life have your way let your will be done and give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say in jesus name amen and amen listen we have rooted coming up we have celebrate freedom that's kicking off in june i believe next month eight weeks celebrate freedom finding those things that you're struggling with getting freedom from get in that class if you need that rooted is coming up discipleship matter of fact we graduate our trainees tonight so those have gone through 10 weeks of rooted and we're learning and we're we're learning the program and it's actually been longer than 10 weeks but we are graduating them tonight so we have places for you to find truth and to find community and to find freedom amen encourage you to get in one of those and allow God to mature us in this season amen all right I love you all so much let's welcome Pastor Paul